This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name's Anna Hawkin and I'm part of the team at Parenting for Faith. And I am standing in for Rachel Turner today because she has an unplanned, unscheduled appointment with a sick bucket and her bathroom floor. I consider Rach pretty much invincible, but even she can be taken out by a sickness bug. It's so sucky. So we hope you get better really soon, Rachel. We've got loads of stuff on the podcast today. We're kicking off talking about what it means to be homegrown. And I'm going to share an opportunity to be part of an online conference. It's coming up just a couple of weeks. Whether you're a children's leader or volunteer or a parent or carer, there's something for you and you want to hear about that. Um, In our question and answer section, we're going to take something from our Under Fives Facebook Live on finding a place to serve. And if you ever miss any of those Facebook Lives, you can just go onto the Facebook page, Parenting for Faith BRF forward slash videos. And all of our past episodes are on there. But during that session, Rachel shared some really good ideas and advice. And a parent asked, how do we be merciful to ourselves in all of this? We can hear these good ideas, can't we? But it can just feel too overwhelming. Like we don't even know where to start. And Rachel gave a really good response. So we're going to be sharing that on the podcast. And then in our wildcard section, Rachel interviews her mum all about her life as a teenager. She had some great opportunities to be on stage and in the theatre. And she asked her mum how they managed that. How did she uh, make time and space to check in with Rachel about what she was up to and to help her connect to God too? Recently, I've had an opportunity to work on a conference um, hosted by the Methodist Church. It's an online conference called Homegrown. I'm going to tell you a bit more about that later because it's great. But it got me thinking about that word, homegrown. I wonder what comes to your mind when you hear it. For me, it's probably um, something that I can't live up to. It's images of a happy family digging in the garden all together, probably siblings sharing tools and working as a team, digging, planting, weeding, probably singing as they go, or at least whistling, Um, and then picking that homegrown organic produce and presenting it as a beautiful Pinterest-worthy feast and eating it. A bit like Topsy and Tim. I don't know if anyone else's kids watch Topsy and Tim on CBeebies, but I feel like everything is always extra perfect and nice there. And all of this, of course, would be without a single complaint. And that is a lovely, lovely picture, but it bears very little resemblance to my actual day-to-day life. I'm normally rushing between work, between home, school drop-offs, and I shove something in the oven at the end of the day, or if it's been a very good day in the slow cooker, And then I watch as my children either refuse to eat it at all or painstakingly remove anything that resembles a vegetable. Uh, Just yesterday, one of my children ate some lettuce and uh, I got her to stop and pause while I took a photo. And it was only then that it uh, twigged in my mind that if I'm stopping and taking a picture, because this is such a momentous occasion, then maybe I'm not doing quite so well on the uh, fruit and veg front as I thought. But what if homegrown wasn't about that perfect, unattainable, beautiful picture? What if it was just thinking about what we are growing in our homes? So I'm not talking houseplants. I mean, what are we growing in our children? Because all our homes look different. All our families are different. Our children's are different. But they are usually a place where our children will grow in all sorts of ways. 
and there are so many different things we want to grow in our children, aren't there? I mean, I want them to grow physically. I want them to gain strength and coordination and balance. I want them to grow mentally. So I want them to be able to read and write well. My eldest has just started school and we've, you know, had the talk about how to help them do their sounds and their letters. And we've gone for it um, properly. We've cut the things out. We've stuck blue tack on the freezer. Um, it's week one. We'll see how that goes. But we want to support our children, don't we? We want to help them in their learning and in their growing. It's also really important to me that they grow in character. I want them to be wise. I want them to be empathetic and resilient. But top of the list for me, and I know for many of you, is that I want them to grow spiritually too. I want them to meet God. I want them to know him for themselves and develop a two-way thriving relationship with him. And um, I also have recently uh, got a new job as a children's leader at my church. And my biggest hope and desire there is to equip and encourage those parents and carers so that they can help their children do that too. That's what I'm wanting most. And so I just wanted to encourage you today that none of us have that picture perfect Im image of home or if we do, it's only for a moment. Um, but what we do all have is opportunities amidst the chaos of everyday life to help our children to grow. And I really wanted to recommend this uh, online conference to you that's coming up. So as I said, it's called Homegrown and it's hosted by the Methodist Church. Uh, Gail Adcock heads it up there and she just has a real heart to resource people where they are. So you can attend in person, you can come along to Cliff College and book tickets for that. But the way most of you will engage is by streaming it online. Uh, so it's on Tuesday the 8th of October, can't remember if I said that. Um, and there is a daytime conference for anyone who has a role equipping others. So if you're a children's leader, families worker, volunteer, anything like that, you can come along during the day. Um, it starts at 9.30 and ends at 2.30. So if you've got uh, school drop-offs and pickups, hopefully that won't disrupt that. If you've got a little person, uh, they can come along, you can have toys, snacks, everything can be going on as normal. So you don't have to find childcare and sort that all out. And then there's an evening session, which is 8 till 9.30. So quite similar to how we do our normal uh, Facebook Live event, bedtime drinks that Rachel does. Um, but it'll be 8 to 9.30. Get it in your diary. Uh, see if you can get the kids in bed or uh, have them playing in the background while you're doing it. Um, but it's really just a chance for you to think about growing faith at home and what you're growing in your children. And uh, there are going to be some great speakers. It's going to be presented by Gemma Hunt, who is Gem in Swashbuckle. For those of you uh, CBBS watchers, my kids are so excited about that. I got so many cool mum points. Uh, so they, they might want to watch if you're doing that. Um, but then we're going to have speakers from the Kitchen Table Project and Care for the Family. We've got Andy Frost, Gareth Hillier, Claire Burton, who are going to be sharing some ideas about how to do this and what it looks like. Um, I'll be speaking briefly and Rachel Turner is going to be showing loads of the Parenting for Faith stuff, all about how we apply it. And then both in that daytime session and in the evening, there's going to be opportunities for questions and answers. So think of your questions, send them in. Um, and yeah, there'll be a chance for all of those speakers to respond to those. There's going to be lots of chance to process, to discuss. Uh, so you can just do that online. There'll be lots of ways to engage with social media. 
or you could actually watch it with other people. Um, so invite a couple of other parents along to your home, maybe do something at your church. If you're a children's leader, you could gather with a few other children's leaders. There's actually a section on the uh, Methodist website. If you're hosting a watch party and you're happy for other people to join you, you can tell them there. Uh, so that's at methodist.org.uk forward slash homegrown. And you can find loads more information there. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to say here's an opportunity that's coming up. Really hope it's useful to you. And even if you can't make that and that's not relevant to you, just to encourage you that you are growing things in your children. You are in the perfect position as someone who spends time with them every day to um, connect them to God, to help them to meet him and know him, even if it's in the tiniest little ways and little tweaks. Um, just using those five key tools that we talk about so much here on Parenting for Faith, you will be growing them in faith. And it doesn't need to look perfect and beautiful and organic and Pinterest worthy all the time. How do we be merciful to ourselves in all these good ideas changing our behavior? Uh, we have to be merciful to ourselves because like my daily life requires mercifulness to myself like four times a day. And I think if we expect perfection from ourselves, we're never, we're not going to make it as individuals, as parents. And, and for me, for me, I have in my head the ideal way, like the parent I want to be, uh, if I had nine hours of sleep a night and I could do all the things my ideas had. And if I was kind of somebody else, if I was the best version of myself living my best life. And you know what? Most days I don't remember if I changed my socks and I, I am snappy and I'm not the perfect thing on the inside, but that God still picked me to be a parent, even in the middle of who I am now today. And therefore I do believe that God can weave all things together for good. And so I don't have to do all the good ideas today, but maybe if I just wake up tomorrow and look for the powerful and purposeful purposefulness of my kid and encourage them once then maybe the next day there was this great book I've been reading called the atomic habits something like that and it was saying if you're just one percent one percent better every day like at the end of the year you're like 30 times better than you were last year and I'm like that can't possibly be true but the maths do work out and so for me I stopped trying to like do all of the great ideas and I'm like if I can do one percent better then in the long term, it'll definitely be worth it. And you know what? Some days just surviving is okay. And then other days I make more 1%. So if I only do 1% better half my year, I'm still going to be 15 times better than I was last year, last year. So be encouraged, be merciful to you because in essence, we want our kids to be merciful to themselves long-term and I can model that. I remember as a teenager, I did theater, which puts me in an environment that wouldn't necessarily be something that you would select for a teenager. Yeah. Um, and how I, I have very little memories of, of how you approached parenting a Christian kid through encountering a lot of stuff that in some ways was way above my head in terms of life experiences. How, how do you, parent as a Christian, how do you coach your kid's spiritual life who's going into an environment that is can be quite dark or adult? Um, how did you do that? How did you position yourself? How did you 
help me? Started earlier. Uh, when you were little, we positioned you for kindergarten. We positioned you for just regular points of life by anticipating what was ahead that we could see and then uh, teaching you how to maneuver in that kind of a world uh, step by step. But it was only when we saw the growth in your in your Christianity in early years that we would then take another step that would allow you to um, to be exposed to a non-Christian environment in a safe manner. And so you were being protected. You just didn't know at what level we were protecting you. And we were not allowing you to jump into a, a terribly dark world of theater. When you were super young, we did the beginning steps, which was children's theater. And then I was there. I was a part of everything. I was doing the lights. I was doing all this other stuff. And so within that, I could watch and monitor your behavior. And I could... Um, correct some of the things in that behavior that was inappropriate, uh, you know, that was coming up in you when you were, you know, with the signatures and all of those little things that well, were. Why don't you tell that story, Mom? Is that you know, in after your first play when you were being a gymnast, then uh, you had come out and all the little characters came out in front of the theater for the young children who had came to watch the show could then come and get uh, uh, autographs. And when they came and got your autograph, you were just bursting with pride and awesomeness. And you're just, you did this attitude shift that I am just so super cool. And uh, instead of the gratefulness of being in that position, you had developed this immediate uh, pride and accomplishment that was overpowering. And then we had to stop that really quickly after that. And so it was sitting down with you saying, you know, I can't even remember what I said, but it had to do with... I remember what Okay, you, you remember. What did I say? I <laughs> don't remember. Said, I was burned into my head. I was, what, like 10, 11? Yeah. yeah. I I said, if you can't have a right heart towards people, then you will no longer be able to do this. Yeah. Uh, because we always have to have a right heart. And if you are not heart positioned, then I will not allow you to continue in this because your heart's more important to me than your opportunities. Mm -hmm. I, I, that was like, it burned uh, into my head. That was it. And so that was your first theater opportunity. And I understood you were on stage for the first time, glittering things, you were going all over. But I, we took those steps slowly. I watched you slowly. And then also you had other encounters with God along the way that strengthened who you were. And it was the mixture of watching you grow in your spirituality and watching you progress in theater that I and my chaperoning along that way and protecting you, then I would give you a little more freedom with each uh, with each show if I felt that your spirituality was meeting that need. and uh, and then I would back off on protection when I thought you were able to handle it. So it was a constant communication with you and a constant teaching at each step of what you need to learn and verifying it with scripture and matching it with what you knew so that I could see there was a balance where you could protect yourself. And I had taught you as much as needed to protect yourself in that environment. And it, we went cautiously through all of that because you were on your own as a late teenager doing quite a bit of stuff on your own. But then you were right at that prep precipice of becoming an adult and we had to then uh, give way to your own choices but uh, as we were doing that make sure you were uh, that you had everything you needed to make good choices along the way so it was a very protected environment but each step we gave you a little more as we saw that you were able to handle it I remember coming home as a teenager uh, you always said you wanted me to check in with you mm -hmm. when I came in and I, now as a tired parent I'm amazed at <laughs> this 
decision, but you said when I came in, so I'd, I'd be at the theater late or I'd yeah. be doing a, a late show or some place away. And uh, I would, I would come in at one o'clock in the yeah, morning. Yeah, you'd or walk into the bedroom in the middle of the night. Yes, and to let me know, and I sat immediately up, and I opened my eyes, and I put on my best awake voice and uh, you talk for like 20 minutes and it would tell me all that happened you know that you were you know telling me at that and so I would just be awake so that I can hear everything you wanted to say in the middle of the night and question if I you know wanted more information because the next morning it is all over with and then you're not going to remember the next morning what you want to say but you if something awesome happened at the theater or something that was you know not awesome I just let you talk until you had nothing else to say and then you'd you know, go to bed and I'd go to bed. But it was a regular thing of waking up in the middle of the night to just whatever, uh, to, to so that you could check in. Your dad was sound asleep. Either he was home or he was not home. He was working you know, graveyard or swing shift. But uh, that check-in, I didn't want you to come home after a night of experience with people whom I did not verify every single one. And uh, I wanted to, to, even if I didn't hear everything you couldn't tell me everything that happened for hours. I can hear the tone in your voice and I can hear what was happening even in the darkness of just standing there and having this 20-minute conversation. I could get a sense of whether it was something I needed more prayer about or I need to go down and, and investigate or pull you out of uh, you know something else later on. But I needed to, to get a, a gauge of the tone of what's happening. Mm. Mm. It's really good. It's really good, Mom. Um uh, it was so significant for me, I think, because it meant that I never felt that I was going into those dark places uncovered. I think had I not come home and debriefed with you or or you, you always told me you, you want me to check in and tell me and you asked me questions. It wasn't just mm -hmm. I'm home safe. Great. But you asked me you you wanted to have that connection. So I it established a pattern of connection that then maintains and mm -hmm. was important to me. Uh, and it meant that then if something happened, I didn't feel that I would then go home, churn it over my head, and feel isolated out in the precipice of the world. Um, it did. I, ca I can't remember any specifics of our conversations, but I knew it made me feel yeah. safe at the end of the day. And it made me feel uh, more secure in my sensing of, of uh, the timing of what you were doing and whether yeah. that was an appropriate thing. So yeah. it was important to me as a mom to be it. I used that information to gauge how things were going. Yeah. It also made me feel accountable to you. So if I was out and things were happening, I knew that I was going to have to go home and look you in the face <laughs> and tell you about my night. Mm -hmm. And there was something about the accountability of, of being in that relationship that was crucial to my choices and uh, giving me the extra oomph of, mm -hmm. um, of a, an ability to say no or an ability to stick to my guns because I wasn't just going to stumble in at one o'clock in the morning and no one would see me. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we, really then we could later on cover scripture or bring yeah. up a conversation again or if something needed more discussing. Uh, we could go back to how better to handle it or what else you could yeah. do or is there any other time that's happened. But to get the initial uh, the initial reaction when you come in then says a lot. Is you know, And students do that when you know, a 9-, 10-year-old coming over from school. It's like, what did you do at school today? To get that initial flow of what happened and to hear it fresh, yes, you can go back to it later, but to get the freshness of it then uh, – there's a tone that goes with that, and there's a, there's a way you can feel through that to sense whether it's all okay or not okay. And so the same thing when you're 
a teenager coming home is being able to sense that immediately. And then I can uh, pray about it, think about it, wonder about it, go over another line. If I need to bring it up again, I could. Yeah. And you did uh, frequently. I remember you saying, I was thinking last night when you said this thing, you know, how do you feel about that? And you, you would follow that up the mm-hmm. next day, which was really good because then we could talk about scripture. And I do remember those follow-up conversations. And your question to ask your kid this week to have an interesting conversation is this. Do you think we will be able to cry happy tears in heaven? Have a brilliant week. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.